They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello, I'm Ian Shepherd, and you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Podcast. Joining me this evening are Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And we're recording this after another win against Middlesex, where the Somerset boys put us through the absolute ringer before negotiating a tricky run chase on the <laughs> final day. After winning the toss, Tom Abel stuck the middle Saxon, the middle Saxons in, uh, bowling them out for 357. Robbie White making 92 for the visitors and three wickets apiece for Craig Overton and Josh Davy. In reply, the Somerset opening partnership struggled again. Both openers back in the pavilion with only 16 on the board. Before Tom Abel, James Hildreth, George Bartlett, and Lewis Goldsworthy on debut all contributed in a score of 268 all out. Craig Overton was the unbeaten man on 38. At 44, without loss, all was going swimmingly until Craig Overton and Josh Davey blew the innings away. Craig Overton finishing with 5 for 34. Josh Davey, 3 for 28. His figures were 3 for 6 at one stage. And then in the run chase, Somerset set the target of 208. Again, the openers didn't contribute much. Both gone with 17 on the board. Tom Abel and James Hildreth steadied the ship with 49 and 43 apiece. Hildreth was out, uh, caught at slip on the final evening. Night watchman Jack Leach uh, out to the final ball of the day. And when Tom Abel and George Bartlett went in quick succession on Sunday morning, things were looking bleak for the Ciderman before debutant Lewis Goldsworthy kept his head with an unbeaten 41. And veteran, I'm not sure he's quite a veteran yet, but veteran wicketkeeper batsman Steve Davis with 44 unbeaten <laughs> saw us home to our victory target with four wickets and plenty of time to spare. It sounds so easy, doesn't it, gentlemen? <laughs> Walking the park. Absolutely. Steve, I'll start with you. Um a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned on the podcast that should we think about bringing Lewis Goldsworthy up from the seconds? Can you remember what you said? Yeah. I think I said probably a bit too early yet. Thank you for reminding that's me. That's all right. That's all right. We have to live in... Live full, credit, full credit to Jason Kerr. I did say on the blog that it's easy and many people jump on the let's blame the coach bandwagon. Nobody seems to give him credit when he makes a brave call like that and it comes off. So, well played, Jace. Yeah. I... I think he's got... It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because we don't want to build him up and heap pressure on him. But he strikes me as the sort of guy who probably got the sort of shoulders you can heap pressure on. I don't know, Anthony, you spoke to him on the weekend. What do you think? Well, he's he looks about 15, doesn't he? <laughs> he's only about 5 foot 8 inches tall. Um, but he seems to take it all in his stride. He, you know, he was a picture of composure in both innings. Um, and he came in in the second innings under real pressure because um, Tom Abel had just got out early on the last morning and um, Murta was swinging it around all over the place and at the other end he got you know, genuine pace with Tom Helm and Finn. He didn't seem to be phased at all. At the shot of the match was when he hooked... A, a short ball from Stephen Finn off his eyebrows with a noise like a rifle, the crack of a rifle shot, and it was it was over the square leg boundary before deep mid wicket could move. I mean, it was a fantastic shot for and and yet, you know, in person he is he is un, unassuming, um, modest, self-effacing. Um, 
but he also you know he's he knows his value if you like i asked him whether in the interview afterwards i asked him whether he thought he'd done enough to guarantee a, a first team place and he said very firmly yes and i thought that you know good, good for you mate. you've been given your chance you've taken it and uh, you know let's let's hope that he does it does leave um, leave jason with a bit of a selection problem elsewhere amongst the most. But yeah, terrific, terrific, Debbie. But I agree, we, we mustn't get carried away. I was thinking just now that, uh, you know, um, last September, we were saying things about Tom Lamanby, what a brilliant prospect he was and, and, and what a wonderful temperament and so on. And he's been through a rough patch. So we shouldn't be surprised if Lewis goes through a rough patch at some stage as well. Yeah, I like the look of him when he made his debut in that T20 game uh, at Cardiff last year. I think he only got he got twenty four at a runner ball, but he was back with Babar Azam, who was in splendid form that night. Um, he scored a he scored a hundred, and Lewis just straight away he knew his role in that partnership. knew he, he it, you know a lot of players would have gone right twenty twenty debut. Let's get the big shots out. Let's try and stick one in the river taff. But just worked his singles, gave the strike to Baba, and uh, yeah, just looked very 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 composed. And like you say, Anthony, I saw that shot he played where he. he or hook Finn off his nose and like you say it was just an amazing shot absolutely amazing shot Dan how are your fingernails after that one another nail biting win against Middlesex we see we always seem to have cracking games when we play Middlesex in four day cricket yeah it was very similar to the one Lords wasn't it in structure in terms of we had a pretty poor first day with the ball I think I think arguably worse than we were at Lords actually on the first day and then sort of below be better with the bat in the first innings um, you know, we, uh, but still, again, it's this getting starts and not pushing on, which was the issue we had. But forty-one from Abel, thirty-nine Hilger, fifty-five Bartlett, thirty-nine Goldsworthy, and yeah, Craig has thirty-eight not out. But then again, it's that second innings, and that was the issue for Middlesex again, and that's where we roared back into the game. You know, Overton was once again, you know, but he bowled probably better than he was at, at, against um, Leicestershire, uh, and then Davy as well was a good. Uh, Supporting act this time. I was glad to see that. Um, and yeah, on the last day, it was, you know, the start of the day, I, I made us just about favourites. Then those two wickets, you know, made it, you know, Middlesex probably were 80% favourites to win. Um, but Goldsworthy and Davis just absorbed the pressure so well, didn't they? Initially, they, you know, it was very slow going for a while. They were just blocking and blocking, which is fine because Middlesex were bowling really well. Um, but they managed to stay in. There weren't any, there weren't any big sort of shouts. There weren't any big. But I don't think I don't remember there were many appeals or any many close calls. You know they they looked pretty secure. Um, and you know that that's what you got to do. You, you know we wore Murtagh down, um, and we managed to take advantage um, when when Finn and Anderson came on. Um, you know they're change bowlers. Um, so that that's how you approach a chase against a good, a good attack. Um, and yeah, Goldsworthy was particularly composed, wasn't he? But obviously, shame the lunch break came when it did. But um, I was surprised after lunch they brought on Holman for some reason, and I was happy to see that. It was a very odd decision from Middlesex. Just you know, it was we were very likely to win, but Middlesex still had a small shout, particularly against the batting line, which like ours, which is a bit fragile. We were probably quite happy to see the leg spinner come on straight after yeah. lunch. We were very happy. <laughs> it's yeah. white flag time. Same as at um, Leicester when when they brought on um, what was his name? Lewis uh, Hill. 
you know, who's not barely even an occasional medium pace, they're just after tea. And they might just as well have, you know, have raised the white flag. And it, it was a similar thing. And, and fr from that moment on, victory was assured. I, I couldn't agree with you more about the bizarre nature of going off for lunch. You know, <laughs> at one o'clock with 19 runs needed. Just only, only in cricket, you know, do meals, lunch and tea take precedence over everything else. Just... Do you want to do you want to clear that one up, Dan? I'm pretty sure it was well, on Facebook. That I did. I, yeah, I did think up. it was. I did think it was within the rules because the, the, the umpires can send 15 minutes. That's what the rules say. That 15 minutes at lunch or tea to get a result, and we needed 19 from four. It would have been 19 from four overs if they'd extended it by 15 minutes. And it's the rules say a definite result. It's a so you can kind of make the case that there wasn't going to be a definite result in 15 minutes it may have been that they battled for four more overs and we then needed one to win um and then they'd, they'd have had to have lunch, lunch yeah. um <laughs> but um i think i think the middle six bowlers were entitled to say that they deserved a rest you know that's you know that's the normal time um and i think if it was the other way around i would have been saying yes somerset bowlers should now get a rest so uh, i think it makes sense even though it was a bit, it is annoying but i don't think there's really a way around it i think we were helped by how passive Hanscom was Anthony, Kevin Hand christened him hands off Hanscom at one point, and then he intervened and actually made things worse. It was like the football manager who makes a substitution and makes the team worse. Because Steve Finn was, from what I saw, bowling a really, that metronomic, off, just that set off stump, top of off stump line. And as Dan said, Davis and Goldsworth, they were having to battle really hard to get anything. And then he bowled that bouncer, which we just talked about, Lewis cracked to the boundary. And then he overpitched a couple of times. Uh, just, I thought Hanscom was just incredibly passive. When you compare him with Tom Abel, oh, it's chalk and cheese. If, if I was a Middlesex supporter and my club had paid what I guess they've paid Hanscom to come all the way over Australia, score runs and skip of the side, I wouldn't be too happy at the moment, I've got to say, because he ain't scoring any runs and he's not captaining the side. He hasn't even done his haircut. <laughs> <laughs> We've just had the uh, well, the, the Twitter poll I put up for the player of the matches uh, just closed in the last few minutes. Unsurprisingly, with 66% of the vote, the winner is uh, Craig Overton. Lewis Goldsworthy coming in a creditable second with 27%. He's just on absolute fire this season, Craig. And he's not just doing it on helpful decks at all. He's being the standout bowler amongst some other quality bowlers on show. Look at Murta, Finn. Out, he's out bowling these guys. Are we going to lose him to England this year, or do we think we'll be grateful for being an, an unfashionable <laughs> county? I've got a horrible feeling he'll be 13th man for the summer. Yeah. Horrible Fair. feeling. We could lose him, but he, you know, he might not play that, that often. But Because you know we are, as you rightly say, an unfashionable county. Um, I don't know. and they, they might hold the fact that he isn't an out-and-out -out fast bowler against him. They might want to play someone like Ollie Stone instead but um uh, yeah i mean he was he was brilliant um bowling bowling uh, middlesex out he, he was even better at leicester because because the pitch at taunton was you know there was a little bit of carry and, and seam movement there's plenty of grass on it whereas the pitch at, at leicester on the third day was as dead as a dodo and he would he was thrashing life out of it where nobody else could that that was a superb piece of 
the book. He's, you know, he's he really has come on. And I mean, they talk about Tom Helm as being one of the quickest in the country. Well, I reckon Craig Overton was, at, you know, a yard and a half faster than than uh, Tom. <coughs> He looked in a different But it's different. the sustained workload as well, isn't it? He bowled yeah. so many overs. And, you know, when you think that the first innings we basically had him and Lewis, and the second innings we had him and Josh, and, and Craig just carried that and just kept bowling and bowling. Yeah, yeah. remarkable because we, we really did have two front line bowlers because the pitch wasn't suited Jack Leach at all. Uh, just just a phenomenal performance. And what, what I love watching, I love watching Craig Overton bowl. You know, obviously, when you're live in the ground, it's dramatic, but even on the string, because you almost think something's going to happen. You know, he's so aggressive. You want him on your side, don't you? I wouldn't want to bat against him. Um, you know, because I think you, you can imagine there are going to be a few Hampshire batsmen who are going to be saying to our former groundsman, can you be a little bit... Um, can you be a little bit uh, kind here and not produce anything too spicy? You know, it's uh, it's something that uh, I would have thought Craig Overton is head and shoulders above any other quick bowler in the championship this season. Not just because he's six foot five, but quality, control, pace, stamina—you name it—he's got it. He's an absolute superstar. So those yeah. first two tests against New Zealand um, start on the second of June and finish on the fourteenth of June. So that's when we'll still be under some kind of COVID restriction. So I've got a horrible feeling, you may be right, guys, we may lose him to some sort of extended training squad for maybe an inter-squad match or something like that, which will be uh, be very, very disappointing. A bit like um, the same situation with Jack Leach we had last year where he was kicking his heels around Southampton and Manchester going up and down the motorway to, to not bowl a ball in anger when he should have been down with us. At uh, well, after two games where the side batting fourth has won, is this au revoir cider a bad? <laughs> well, it's very difficult to produce turning pitches at this this time of the year. There's too much moisture uh, underneath, um, and I thought Jack was under bowled. I have to say in that in that mm. first, it was a bit of a he only bowled seven overs. Um, and he'd done such a good job at Lords, keeping one end tight, bowling in tandem with Josh Davy in that second innings when we, when we bowled them out. That I, I couldn't quite quite understand it, but um, you know the, the, the quicks did, did their work. But he did. He looked a little bit of a lost soul once or twice. Did, um, did Jack Leach out? You know, out in, in, out in the outfield. I don't know. One uh, will definitely be a factor. Sorry, it'll definitely I'll, I'll be a factor. Just... Hampshire, though, well, Dawson and Crane have taken quite a few. I was looking through their two home games so far. Dawson and Crane have bowled a lot of overs and and taken decent number of wickets. I was surprised because I thought it would be all a Bass and Abbott, but I think I think they bowled over a hundred overs in the last game between them. Well, Dawson's a very good bowler, mm. very good cricketer altogether. Big threat. Yes, so we're down at the Aegeus Bowl on Thursday to face Hampshire, who was fair to say came a distant second against Surrey uh, in the last round of games, losing by an innings and and more than plenty. We did uh, have a first uh, at Taunton this week, which is the first ever COVID substitute uh, member of Lewis 
Gregory's family, I believe it was his wife or girlfriend, was showing girlfriend. symptoms. Didn't test positive, but was showing symptoms. That meant Lewis had to be on his way and replaced by Jack Brooks. I've not been on this much, but what what are the chance? Is he going to be available for? Yes, he will be available. He will he's be, tested, yeah. he tested negative. Yeah, and uh, he's had tests as well, I think. So, and he's tested negative, so he will definitely be available for um, the AGS Bowl. Thank goodness. Being replaced with Jack Brooks, though, rather than Martian, that leads me to believe that they were definitely resting Martian for for the AGS no, Bowl. Do you agree? Oh. No. Well, Jason said that um, he thought that uh, that Martian could have could have been the COVID substitute, but they preferred Jack Brooks um, because the pitch was favouring a fuller length. There wasn't much future in bowling short on it, and Jack Brooks's length is a is a slightly natural length is is slightly fuller than Martian Delano. That's what he said when he, when he was asked about it. And, um, I, you know, I don't doubt it. I think Jack Brooks deserved his chance. Um, whether he'll get another one, I'm not sure. He didn't bowl very well. Didn't offer much of a threat, in all honesty. Particularly if we're going to set up with three seam bowlers rather than four, that limits the chances for Brooks even more. Well, I asked Jason about that, and he, he said, I asked him whether he was going to carry on playing the extra bats, and he said no. They're going to, oh, go, in, they're going to go in with five, five front-line bowlers. I thought he said that they were going to carry on with this setup. Oh, maybe not I think so. Well, no. I asked. No, I, I, I must admit, I got that impression that it was going to be the extra bowler. Yeah, definitely. Okay, maybe I'll have to listen to it again. Because at the Rose Bowl, it makes sense definitely to have an extra bowler. I, I think it would have been very risky to go with an extra batsman and one less bowler at the Rose Bowl against a good batting lineup in Hampshire as well. So this but it does mean does mean that one of the um, one of the young batsmen is going to have to make way for Lewis Goldsworthy. That was just going to be my next point, Anthony. Well, shall we try and select our side for Thursday, and which batsman misses out, and how do we how do we arrange them, or do we keep the same batting order? Dan, where well, are you going? I, if if forced, I would swap Davis up to open and drop Banton. I think um, so. I go so it'd be Davis and Lamb be opening with then Abel, Hildreth, Bartlett. And then, yeah, it'd be goals over at six, um, Gregory, Overton, etc. Um, that's, I think, what I do. I mean, there is the able opening option, uh, which I'm not totally against either. Just everyone just goes up one. You know, that's that's not the worst option either, particularly as Abel's been practically opening anyway. He'll just been practically a number three. So either, either is fine, but I think it has to be Banton to drop out. I think of all the batters, uh, in the, all, the, all the three to six have, oh, uh, well, Three to six plus goals over there. All for me, they're in because they've all had runs at times. None of them are in brilliant form, but they're all in reasonable form. Abel's in the best form, um, and then of the two openers, Lambie's the only one who's had a score, and that was more recently. Whereas Banton in the last few games, just he seems to have got worse. Banton, I think he's, his scores are dropping. Um, he's maybe trying to be a bit more, you know, a bit more circumspect in his batting. He's not trying to. He's, he's looked less frenetic, but he's, something's not right. Um, and I think on balance, I'd keep that and being. Sadly, I'd uh, drop Banton. So I'm going to play devil's advocate there. If you're Tom Banton receiving that news from uh, from Jason Kerr that you've been axed, my comeback to that would be, well, I'm not an opener. You wanted me to open. You, I, I've stuck my hand up and opened. I wouldn't imagine it would be his, his first place choice to bat. And you know, as we've said before on this podcast many times, he's a he's a generational talent. He's an 
incredible ball striker uh, and one of the most dangerous batsmen in the country but should be a middle order player so would you not expect him to play in the middle order and then maybe somebody like I don't want to well Bartlett to make way or perhaps well, I know it's harsh on the young lad but for Goldsworthy to make way <laughs> yeah it, 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 yeah mate it just feels perverse because Banton is just not in any sort of form and the others have found some form it would feel perverse to take out Bartlett who's clearly found a bit of form and had a couple of scores um, to, and then put in someone who's you know scored very little um, but yeah I know I, I see your point because Banton is a really really good player and I'm sure he could score a lot of runs if he was in the middle order but you wonder if right now he would considering the form you know he, you almost feel like he needs some runs in the seconds if he's going to start scoring runs in, in the in the uh, in the middle order but yeah, it's a tough one. I agree with that. I think it's between Banson and Bartlett. Um, Bartlett scored more runs. He's he played a dreadful shot on um, <coughs> Sunday morning to uh, to get himself out. Um, and he, you know, he does have that tendency, to, you know, to a rush of blood. He'll he'll defend and play really nicely, and then suddenly he'll go for a big off drive to a you know good length ball. Um, yeah, I I, 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 I think Tom Banson probably is an opening batsman but he's not in any sort of form at the moment he's really struggling and i agree with dan i think he'd be better off going back into the seconds get some form um and and earn his place in the side the hard way i don't see how they can not um pick lewis goldsworthy after what he's done um and if if jason is going to go for the five bowlers which i'm sure is the right thing then yeah, uh, it's it's Bartlett or Banton, and, and Bartlett's got a lot more runs than Banton has. And so, uh, but the only other question is who goes in first with Lemon, if not Banton? Um, uh, you know, I, Steve Davis, fine, but it's hard work keeping wicket mm. at the age of thirty-five or whatever he is, and then having to go in and and, and open the batting. If it was me, as I said before, I'd move Tom Abel up, up to open Bartlett three. Hildreth at four, because Hildreth doesn't like batting at three and he doesn't get runs at three, he does like batting at, at, at four. And and then um, Goldsworthy at five, Davis at six, and so on. That, that would be my choice. Steve, my, only concern, my only concern, I, I think Anthony's worn me down, and I think Jason's got to sit down with Tom Abel and say, you're an opening batsman. And interestingly, again, from some research I was doing for the preview on the blog, the last time we won a Rose Bowl was in 2015, and Tom Mabel, I think, scored at 80 and 21 not out in a 10-wicket victory opening with Marcus. So there's a portent, if you like those sorts of things. My only concern is, and I, I totally respect what Anthony said, but I have argued against it, it's the fact that you're going to move lots of people around. You're moving Abel up, you're moving Bartlett up, you're shifting things around. But... You're absolutely right, Anthony Hildreth. We tried him at three last year and it didn't work. He's he's he deserves the right to bat where he wants to. Um, and Jules Butler did come into the side when he was making his way as a number three, and scored runs. He scored runs at Old Trafford and he scored runs at Trent Bridge batting at three in 2019. So there's merit in it. But as we often say on here, it's we don't know what's being discussed in the dressing room, what's going on. But going back to Jason's interview, he did say to Anthony, you know, about um, calmness and said he'd like to see that from <laughs> one or two of the other batters, which to me was a little a little tell that he's act actively thinking about this now. 
other yeah. possibility would be to open with Lewis Goldsworthy. Yeah, who has, has got a really good, you know, good technique. He's, he's not just temperament, uh, but he's got a really good sound defensive technique. He plays plays straight, you know, gets into line, not afraid of fast bowlers. It's I mean, it would be tough on the lad um, because opening in red ball cricket this time of year is just about the toughest job you can have. But uh, he's equipped to do it. I just I don't know if uh, if that would be something they might consider, but I think of the two, I think Tom Abel is is you know he would for me he'd be the obvious one to go in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with that. I did think to myself as well, knowing that this topic would come about Lewis Goldsworthy, but I think yeah, keep him down at five or six in the middle order um, just for now. But like you say, I, I was totally impressed with his technique. I think he's got. He's got the mental strength as well to be able to handle it if, uh, if the time does come. Right. I want to move on to talk about something else now. Catches win matches. Well, they certainly make it a lot easier to win matches if you take them all on the first morning of a county championship game, which we seem to have a little bit of a problem doing in the slips. I had a little... Quite a, a, a look at the slip cord, and I think our guys are just, they're not quite standing in the right position. I notice it particularly acutely with the left handers. Craig Overton is almost facing directly towards mid off. He should be, so the ball is coming at him effectively from about one or two o'clock. And that again is putting off your first slip, and it's just making the whole cordon a little bit uneven. Is it, Anthony? Did did you pick up on any of this sort of watching it live or was, is no, the they, team I mean, the picture making it look not what it is? They have quite an exaggeration sort of echelon, don't they? Um, I mean, Hildreth is a lot is two yards deeper at first slip than, uh, than Overton at, at, at second. Um, and you know, they leave quite a big gap between wicketkeeper and first slip as well, so, so as to reduce the confusion as to who's catching it. Um, Hildreth dropped, I don't know, Three or four catches, and in, in mm. it's very unlike him. And the one he put down off uh, Gubbins in the second innings was as straightforward a uh, first slip catch as, as they come. I don't know whether his whether his eyes have gone or or what have you. But um, Jack Leach actually kept um, um, was in at first slip when Hildreth damaged his hand. Um, and couldn't feel that first slip a couple of seasons ago, but he he dropped a couple as well. There's no obvious replacement for uh, for Hildreth, but the the alignment, yeah, I mean that's a it's it, it's it's an interesting point. But Craig Overton doesn't drop much, and and Tom Abel is is you know he's as good in the slips as he is anywhere else on, mm. on the but, field. But Craig mm. did drop those two off the left-handers. Didn't he? He did, yeah. And the, Which the one was, that he actually took was he dropped it and then it bobbled up and then he caught it again. So, it for me watching him, it just the ball's coming at him from two o'clock, and I'm kind of thinking, well, you can't. It's not the best angle to be to be catching from, and the, and the catch that Hildy did take at, at slip, there was no second because one the one that he dropped, Gregory was at second slip that time, not Overton, and again he was just sort of angled a little bit wrong, so. Um, I think it is something that they they potentially need to look at, and because um, I, I, w- I was all motivated to do a, a big blog post about it and send it up to Steve to pop on, but um, I really couldn't be bothered to look through all the various all the various streams and look at all the the other county slip cordons and draw little red lines between their feet and work out. But ours does seem a little bit 
jagged and a little bit just not quite set up right and when you are sort of staggered like that like Craig is just because you always like to stand a little bit close remember in the in the Bob Willis final he was okay the, the pitch was very slow and the ball wasn't carrying but he was incredibly close there uh, to the seamers at that second split position but yeah I think they need to to have a serious look at where where they're standing in relation to each other because I think that is part of the problem why so many catches have gone down in the in the slips for the, the other factor of course is that Jamie used to field in there as well so that may have that may have an impact um you know you you often see with a good side the slip cord and personnel changes and we had Lewis not not involved in the second innings things move around but who was it said somebody said that i think it was one of the middlesex players actually said in their post-match interview one day the pitch was slightly too paced and it was making it quite hard for the slip cord because the balls were coming off the same spot at different paces now again it sounds like an excuse but you just don't know do you it's uh, and again it was colder so that's not we all know that's not particularly conducive to catching balls in the slips but you know yeah it would be nice i think at one point it was sort of something ridiculous like eight six in terms of drop catches wasn't it it's yeah and you can't really blame the uh blame the sighting because it's white seats in the in Botham stand and white seats in the marcus Rascolic pavilion so there's uh, no excuse for losing it in the background if we're done with all matters county championships we move on to listeners questions i'm quite excited about this one this one comes in from uh maybe that anli zhang uh and he's listening to us in california i'm very excited about that we've got listeners on the other side of the world i'm going to just stick a pin in my virtual map of having a listener in california and lee i hope you well um his question is what do you think somerset score would have been had tom chose to bat in the first innings against middlesex point being (laughs) (laughs) point being does tom need to bias bowling first as it looks like we would lose four plus wickets in any first session Thanks for the pod. Enjoy listening from California. Andy, if you're enjoying it that much, um, I'd love to come and stay in your spare room and have a, a holiday in LA or San Francisco or wherever you are. So should we start with that? Is that a factor in uh, deciding to bowl first uh, for Tom that he doesn't quite trust the the top order to see it through to lunch on the first day? I think against Mercer on that grassy wicket on day one. I think that was what put put him off, I suspect. And um, I've, I always mention this when we have a home game. We haven't, before this game against Middlesex, we hadn't won a first-class game bowling first at Taunton since May 2016. And that we haven't bowled first that many times in that period. It's about nine times. But we are much, much better batting first. So that's it did slightly surprise me that we bowled first. Um, but yeah, I think it was the grass and, and the murta factor. And a few years ago, of course, against Middlesex, we literally changed wickets because of Mur- we changed to that very, very grassy wicket because Murtar wasn't playing. So Tim Murtar seems to have something over us where we change all our plans just because of him or the absence of him, which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, that was that was my thinking anyway. I think we'd have been bowled out for 150. Is the answer? Mm. Well, there were, there were a couple of good sides that were bowled out for under 100, weren't there? Warwick, Sharan, Hampshire, who were both top of their groups at the start of last week, were done for under 100 on the first day. So, and Anthony said it, it's the time of year. We should have taken four wickets on the first morning, and I'm, I'm quite sure Middlesex would have taken four or five. We might have been rescued by the bowlers, but it was definitely a bowl first pitch. 
you just you just had, had to take one look at it and, and whoever was going to win the Middlesex if they won the toss they would have put Somerset in that's what um, what's his name Hanscom said Hanscom I'm not sure whether these are, are slightly tongue-in-cheek but would we have Jamie Overton back on loan he's missed the one list isn't it the one list yes yeah yes um, friend of the show um, I I would have Jamie back under any circumstances in a heartbeat uh, I, somebody said didn't they and on that thread that he's not getting much love on some the Oval Forum or whatever it's called uh, well you know I, I, I'll say it again I'll probably say it every other week on this Jamie Overton's a superstar as far as I'm concerned. Back Boland Field, and if people at the Oval don't want to appreciate him, we'll have him back. I think we miss him. Uh, I, I think we miss him in all departments. And, yeah, if if he's not getting game time, I mean, how he can be, how Ricky Clark can be preferred to him just fries my brain, to be honest. So, yes, let's have him back on a loan with a view to making it permanent next season. And uh, yeah, you know, good luck to good luck to Rory Burns boys who uh, if they if they can't find a place for Jamie Overton in their side. Well, he, bizarre. He's not had a great season, has he? He's started. Um, oh, so I don't think he took a wicket in the last game against uh, against Hampshire, did he? I think he's, yeah. he's done better with the bat than the ball, mm. definitely, hasn't he so far? <laughs> yeah, I don't. He's, he's played three out of four games in the championship this season. He was rested for one of them because Terry had a very specific rotation policy um but yeah in four first class matches for surrey so three this season and one last season he's taken one wicket for 308 runs which is probably partially down to the over wicket um i think he's played three games at the over out of those four um oh, 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 just down to the wicket dan if if one for 308 is par for the course side should be making 2000 <laughs> well yeah i know it's partially yeah but he's both He's bowling on tough wickets, tougher wickets than Taunton um, to get wickets on. And um, it's partially adapting to the new environment and it's partially probably the fact that it's still a relatively small sample size and he just needs time to learn and improve. And, you know, he will get better because he's a really good bowler. But, yeah, if he wants to come back to us, if he if he's, doesn't like it up at the Oval, then, yeah, I'd have him back in a heartbeat because he completes our attack, I think. You know, Marchant's decent. I like him, but Jamie is 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 better. I think, and he's he's yeah he, yeah he completes the attack, and he's he complements his brother his brother and David and Gregory perfectly. I think. Do you not think we'd find ourselves um, back at square one if he did come back? And we just he just start feeling the same frustration at, at not getting. Well, we're talking about domestically, aren't we? But he the, the moment he left for me, but I mean, I don't know, I don't know him and you know i don't know how his feelings but i felt like the moment he left was the moment that actually he was becoming a first choice member of the attack he played practically he played every game last season but yeah i understand that he obviously felt undervalued i think at the club um and that that you know that's the residual from the having to go on loan to north fans etc but he since the loan to north fans he played practically every championship game he could for us i think he did miss a cup at the end of 2019 um, but that's it. He played pretty much every other game since then. So yeah, it, yeah. It depends on his personal feelings, doesn't it? How he, you know, how it his how it went, if he feels valued by the club. But um, if he came back to us, I'm sure he would play regularly and bowl a lot of overs. I think. 
Yeah. When, when you listen to Championship Batsmen on, you know, whatever, other podcasts on, are available that talk more widely about county cricket, most, if you, you have sort of standard questions, and the standard question you ask top order batsmen on the circuit is, who's the most frightening quick bowler to face or whatever, Jamie gets the shout every time. And that's over, you know, all the overseas that have been brought in. Because they all say, he, his brother's quick, but he is genuinely quick. Um, you know, and it's all very well. It's like anything, isn't it? You can be an absolutely superb player, but if you don't feel great or, you know, he's feeling a bit homesick or he doesn't feel as low as you do with Harry and Kerr or whatever... Those elite professional sport, those little one percenters can make a huge difference. So, you know, well, yeah. Well, Don well, Best, on the other hand, seems to be settling in. I mean, he's scoring runs nearly top scoring for Yorkshire pretty much every other game at the moment. And I guess um, as well that the, the wickets aren't, they won't have that much pace in them yet. We're, you know, we're, no. we're only four days out of April, so there'll still be those. Uh, Slightly slower wicket, so when they do get a bit more pace in them, I think that will suit Jamie a lot more, and um, he'll be uh, he'll be a, uh, a force to be reckoned with. I'm fascinated to know what you're making for your tea, Anthony. Anthony's multitasking, everyone. You know, if, you can, well. if you can hear the sort of the, the running water and, and the and the pots and pans clanging around, Anthony's getting up every. He sort of says his piece, and then he, he pops I'm up just it, cooking the supper. Gets something out of the oven and puts something on to boil. Well, don't keep us in suspense. Making me Anthony. hungry, Anthony, just watching you. Yeah, what steak was it? Steak and chips. Oh, steak and chips. Sounds lovely. Oh, oh. oh, man. I just better go and take the steak out. <laughs> oh, I wish we were videoing this. I wish we were videoing okay, this. Okay, uh, listeners, if you want to tweet in and let us know what you'd like Anthony to cook next week on the show. Yes. We could sort of do the Somerset podcast meets Tuesday kitchen going forward, couldn't we? Yeah, we could bring along a, a bag of uh, what is was it a fiver already steady cook, and uh, I could bring yeah. out some. Uh, what, what do they have? The red peppers and the green apples, and you hold them up. Or we could just all go around Anthony's for steak and chips when uh, when the when we're allowed. Yeah, yeah when, when we're allowed. allowed. Oh, we, well, maybe not to Anthony's. We'll go to Eli's. And can I just say, as we're completely off piste. Um, we have a the club has its own cat and famously its own Twitter account. And um, since we've been recording this podcast, that the regular slot on a Tuesday, one of my cats has come and sat next to us the whole time. So I think we ought to give Charlie a mention because he's, he's actually listening to me at the moment. Um, hasn't got anything useful to say yet, but I think he wants his own Twitter account fairly soon. So Steve, watch I'll, this space, I'll, everyone. I'll leave that one up to you. The official <laughs> mascot of Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, Charlie the Cat. Charlie's black and white cat. He's Yeah, he yeah. is a black and white cat. Yeah. Cool. Um, can I just, just throw a couple of things in? Um, I see that Sky are going to cover a championship game. And I think I'm right. Dan's problem, as always, is ahead of me on these things. But I think it's going to be Middlesex, Gloucestershire. And they're yeah. actually going to use the Middlesex live feed, which is interesting. I suspect it'll be like the Bob Willis last season. That that wasn't on proper TV, was it? But um, that was uh, pretty much a TV standard production. I think I, think I saw they're going to add an extra camera or two. And the main Sky commentators are going to be commentating to so Atherton, Key, Hussain, Ward, um, as well as Matt Floyd and Adam Collins. Um, yeah, so um, that's right. More, more coverage for Championship cricket is what we want to say. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And there's there is another game in two weeks' time. So sorry, tweeted back in December that Surrey versus Middlesex at the Oval starting on 20th of May is going to be on Sky Sports. That's what they said in December. So it was just one tweet and they said this match will be live on Sky on Sky Sports. So that's another one to hopefully look forward to and maybe that will be a proper um, production as well with you know the normal the normal standard that you expect from Sky. Yeah, that just um, I mean it does stick a little bit that it had to take the IPL being cancelled before mm. Sky decided to show some some county cricket but like I say if it is just um, a slightly enhanced version of the live stream your diehard county fans wouldn't have been uh, missing out anyway because uh, you can uh, watch every every game live and if you find the right browser extension you can watch all nine of them nicely tiled in uh, in one window it's great um, I think we're done for listeners questions I'm just going to have a, another little look Oh, I've missed what's been going on with the seconds today against Gloucester. How's that? I know we were we had them six down yesterday. After uh, they day. they tail their tail wagged significantly. I think they got two sixty odd. I was just just proofing the second watch piece before we came on, and surprisingly, our top order didn't do too well. Uh, Eddie Byron got one down, I think. Uh, yeah, but Ben Green got seventy odd and. James Rue, who seems to be making a little bit of a name for himself with bat and with the gloves, got his 70-odd not out at the close. So I think we, we were trailing by 70 with five wickets left, I think. And apologies if yeah, that's not right. completely accurate. But, uh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and Ned Leonard took five. Mm-hmm. I know he finished with five for 70-odd today, but he had five for 29 and was lethal yesterday morning apparently and that's that's a really good Gloucestershire side you read through the Gloucestershire side and there's a lot of very familiar names in it so we're you know we're not club and ground here we are proper first 11 players in the second old Ned Leonard I can't I whenever I hear his name I always just hear it in like a a piratey voice like let me tell you a tale of old Ned Leonard it's I don't know why it's just a weird thing but I can't hear his name mentioned on a on a live feed or anything like that without instantly saying straight afterwards let me tell you a tale of old ned leonard but so, seriously <laughs> long long john shepherd isn't it great though that you know goldsworthy's gone up into the first team and performed mm. even though there were some of us to to abate myself for a minute who didn't think it was right he's gone up and performed you know, heaven forbid, this time last year we were saying what would happen if Steve Davis got injured and we were saying Steve Snell was going to have to stop commentating on the T20s and play. You're in the position there where if, if James Drew had to come up, you think, okay, maybe mm-hmm. if, you know, if we have a bowling crisis and Ned Leonard got thrown up, Casey oh, Aldridge Ned to come Leonard. back. And it, it must, it must give, keep going, Steve, keep going. It must give these kids real, you know, confidence, but knowing that if they do it, they'll get the opportunity. And I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they don't get a chance. They don't get a chance in the uh, Royal London Cup, do they? Yeah, okay. Okay. really looking forward to that competition this year. Yeah, really, really looking forward to it. I think, um, I think we've got a definite, definite shout of of retaining our trophy. I think we've got a better chance. That's probably our best chance. Which we've got a good chance of winning the, the championship. But I think with some of the kids that we've got and players like Hildy. Jack Brooks slotting in around them in that side. I think we've got a really, really nice mix of youth and experience, and I'd be very, very surprised if we didn't win that that trophy on a Thursday at Trent Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> they all count. Yeah, they all count. Oh, yeah, 
it's just uh, right. I better just... I better love you and leave you. I think because the um, the steak is just about done and the chips are done and everything else is done. Lovely so, job, Antics. Been a pleasure as always. Enjoy your stay. It's a very days. good job. It's a very good job that Zoom doesn't do aroma as well as sight <laughs> vision, isn't it? Because I would be I would be clawing the floor at this point. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Okay, thank you, Anthony. Oh, anyway. yeah. yeah. Look forward to hearing you uh, on Thursday, Anthony. All the best. Cheers. That was Anthony's subtle way of saying it, and he doesn't want to predict what's going to happen on Thursday. So. <laughs> Yeah, difficult one. I mean, we've won three out of our... Well, the three games that we've won, we've chased. Not without jitters in two of them, but we have successfully chased. It's a difficult one. I guess it all just boils down to looking at the pitch, really, doesn't it? And, well, uh, without being too negative, having looked at the weather forecast, and only these things changed, it looks like you're, you are going to need a boat at the Rose Bowl on Saturday. It looked dire when I looked this morning. Um so if we're going to win, we're going to have to win in probably three days and whatever overs they make. It looks weird. It looks like it's going to be two decent days, torrential rain, and another another decent day. But this yeah. is where now you get into the dynamic. Somebody tweeted, what we really want is Middlesex to qualify out of the group with us now mm. because we take the, two, the average of the two wins forward. But we're starting to get into those games where you're looking at them thinking these could have an effect in Division 1. Uh, when it's all reorganised in September. You've got Yorkshire and Lancashire look like they're, unless they do something spectacularly bad, they're going to come out of Group yeah. 3. Group and 1 is group incredible. Group 1 is 54-53, yeah. 52, 51, 49, and then poor old Derbyshire with 40. Yeah, Essex but falling. Derbyshire aren't a bad side. No, it's, yeah, it, it's yeah. incredible. And I was just sort of, when I sort of flipped through the tables... Um, uh, sort of close a play on Sunday, and I sort of looked and before I read the the points, so I thought, Christ, Essex are in fifth. Oh, they're only five points off top. <laughs> so that is yeah. anyone's a Group One. Um, you know, like say Lancashire and Yorkshire running away with Group Three, and then I suppose ours is the most competitive group. You've got Gloucester on seventy four, us on sixty, Hampshire Port beyond fifty nine, Surrey forty six, Middlesex thirty seven, and I suppose Leicester would be the ones that you'd expect to drift away on 25. But yeah, if Middlesex can... Uh, but you wouldn't be surprised if Middlesex got a result against Gloucestershire. No. You wouldn't, you know, not. Hans can suddenly get into some form and one of the gubbins, Robson, gets some runs as well. But, you know, uh, I, I still think we could have a few, not surprise results, but, you know higher team in the division get in the group gets beaten by a lower team and things flip around again. Was it a 19 point swing or an 18 point swing between us and Hampshire this week? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean they it's very rare you, you a side only gets one point from a championship match, but they managed it despite being uh, looking like the best side in the group by a distance. I think they were quite lucky to get the one in all honesty because I think so had a couple of wickets fell fell sort of toward the end because Amler was Amla and Pope, wasn't it? We're just yeah. yeah. They lost a couple just so. trying to get a few more uh, for the declaration, did they? Yeah, it was one right at the end. It was like 108 or nine overs, something like that. They lost their yeah. third wicket, and I, I was keeping an eye. Which is, and I was hoping we which was the get that was the fun on Friday, wasn't it? When we resumed, I think Middlesex needed one run for the extra mm. bonus point, yeah. and we needed two wickets, and we ended up getting three wickets or adjusted. Just as much as I'd like to say we, but Josh got the three wickets. I think we got our bonus point before they did actually, because it was one of Murta's hoiks over the slips that 
got yeah. them the bonus point. Tim Can I just say if Jason if Jason Kerr's listening, now we've got three Toms, two Lewises and two Jacks in the side. He really needs a Steve as well. <laughs> so because we're not going to drop Steve Davis. So if Jason, if you're listening and you need me in Southampton, I'm sure I could if um you know, you can get me a kit bag and some stuff, I'm sure I can do a job for you just to keep the sort of the Christian name fellowship going. I thought you were going to recommend Steve Snell for a call-up as well. Obviously not. No, he's a rookie <laughs> keeper, isn't he? he can't, it's not fair on him to, to ask him oh, to play true. just as a batsman. So. That's true. Right, no more listeners' questions. I think we've done those to death. We've had a look at the tables. We've had a look ahead to the Rose Bowl on Thursday. Sorry, the Aegeus Bowl. I think that's no, it. I'm just going to nail my colours to the draw mast on this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I, I probably wouldn't wouldn't be too unhappy with the draw at this stage of the season, to be honest. Well, I'll, I'll just mention as well the um, Somerset women of uh, their top of their table in the uh, women's uh, women's county T Twenty Cup. They uh, they won on Sunday. They won one of their games. On, uh, sorry, they won one of their games yesterday against Wales and lost the other. And they won two last week against Staffordshire. So um, they're currently top, and they just need to win their remaining games. Four games left. If they win them all, they'll win the. West Midlands regional title because for some reason we're in the West Midlands group rather than the Southwest group and the other thing is that there's no overall winner because the ECB and the Infinite Wisdom seem to have decided not to bother with a finals day like there usually is for the women's uh, women's T20s so there's just going to be six regional women's cricket it's all about the 100 this year Dan don't bother yeah, about I the Rachel Hayo Flint That's... Trophy or the, the the other T20 with the... Um, the the regional Storm. T20, yeah. yeah. It's a pet peeve. It's a pet peeve of mine. It's that the, the ECB seems to have forgotten to promote the Hayo Flint and the regional T20. It's just all about the 100. Mm-hmm. And the BBC Sport website has not got the fixtures up for the Hayo Flint Trophy or the regional T20, which is frustrating. Um yeah, and the the Hayo Flint starts quite soon. It's uh, three, uh, three. It's end of May, three or four weeks away. Um, yeah, so hopefully fix- there'll be some sort of promotion. Yeah, first fixtures on the 29th of May. Uh, Western Storm are playing Thunder at Bristol, and their first game at Taunton is that game on June the 12th, where they didn't have a ground. I think that's now being played at Taunton. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, seven Vipers. Yeah, and. Um- Hopefully, we'll be adding a bit of ladies' coverage on the blog soon. Spencer Bishop at the club is helping me to try and sort something out. So watch this space, and might uh, there might be something fairly soon on there. Excellent. So uh, best of luck to Sophie Luff and the Somerset women and the Western Storm uh, when they get uh, underway in a few weeks' time. But I think we are we are done, away. Cool. I'm yeah. going, uh, another I'm, happy week, everyone. Another happy week. Well, is it happy watching Somerset? Uh, I suppose it's mm. all's well that ends well. It should be the new club motto. Would you change it? Would you change it? Would you want any? Well, well, would you want to support anyone else? <laughs> I'd want no. us to rack up 550 <laughs> in the first innings and bowl them out for 100 twice. That would be lovely. But yeah, yeah I suppose we that would do, be nice at one point. We do get value for money from uh, from our uh, memberships, don't we, guys? Right, we are. We shall reconvene uh, this time next week, where we'll uh, dissect the fixture from the Aegeus Bowl: win, lose, or rain-affected draw. But for Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom, and Anthony Gibson, who is stuffing his face with steak and chips as we speak, I'm Ian Shepherd. <laughs> this has been Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, and we will catch you next time.